And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. A family at war with itself. A fortress guarded by hundreds of demons. The biggest monkey in the world. We're going deep into the world of the Mahabharata, a story thousands of years old. This is Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. I'm pleased to bring you some excerpts from the stories of Mahabharata, a modern English retelling of the ancient Sanskrit epic poem. This isn't a traditional audio drama in the sense that we usually use it here on Radio Drama Revival, but it's certainly more than an audiobook. I find Shudipta Balmik's storytelling so engaging and compelling, and Avi Ziv's sound design and music charming and immersive. And the Mahabharata is something that I, as a white dude, even as a white dude who loves history, literature, religion, and mythology, was not exposed to. And to be frank, I kind of thought this project was going to be a little homeworky, a little eat your vegetables and struggle through this ancient poem kind of daily. But number one, vegetables are delicious. Number two, it is a privilege to be a guest in someone else's culture. And number three, it is not even a little bit boring. There are so many things I recognize from other great stories. The children of gods, mortals of colossal strength, curses and transformations. There are little bits I've picked up from, you know, just being alive, living in the world, names of gods and mythic heroes, and seeing it all laid out here in one ongoing labor of love is really inspiring and cool. So, what's the Mahabharata about? How to summarize a 200,000-line poem. It's the story of the struggle between two sets of cousins, the five Pandava brothers and the 100 Kaurava brothers, as they fight for the throne of ancient India. Part of this story comprises the Bhagavad Gita, an important Hindu scripture. Now, I'm going to play two bits from Balmik's retelling. Each is about a different one of the heroic Pandava brothers, the sons of the cursed king Pandu. Bhima is a figure similar to Heracles or Paul Bunyan. Big strength, big temper, big appetite. Arjuna is the companion of the god Krishna and the greatest archer in the world. First, here's the story of Bhima and Hanuman. The Stories of Mahabharata, retold by Shudipta Bhaumik. Welcome, dear friends, to another episode of The Stories of Mahabharata. In the last episode, we heard the story of Ashtavakra and how he avenged his father's humiliation. We also heard the story of Narakasura and how Lord Vishnu saved the earth by taking the form of a boar.
the pandavas enjoyed their days in the badrika ashram waiting for arjuna the long awaited rest helped draupadi recover from the strain of the arduous trek one day while draupadi was relaxing in the gardens of the badrika ashram a lotus flew in with the northeastern breeze the beautiful flower with thousand petals and a sweet fragrance enchanted draupadi she picked it up and said to bhima look look at this pretty flower i have never seen a more fragrant flower in my life i want to give this to yudhishthira bhima was not a great admirer of flowers but the sparkle in draupadi's eyes made him happy he said yes indeed it is a magnificent flower i wonder where this lotus is from draupadi held the flower close to her heart and said bhima if you love me then go and get me as many of these lotuses as you can i want to take them to our home in kamyaka forest bhima looked at draupadi's eyes and said draupadi for you i can bring anything from anywhere you just wait here and i will come back with the flowers in no time he picked up his weapons and headed in the direction where the lotus came from following the scent of the thousand petal lotus bhima arrived in the valley of the gandhamadana mountains with his powerful hands bhima cleared his way through the thick foliage in search of the lotus the animals of the forest ran for their lives the yakshas and the gandharvas stayed away from bhima's path and watched him plunder through their habitat bhima walked through the dense forest for several hours but he couldn't find a trace of the enchanting lotus frustrated and angry the mighty pandava arrived in a beautiful garden of banana trees filled with ripe bananas but he was in no mood to enjoy the fruit he uprooted any tree that came on his way till he reached the bank of a lake with lotus blossoms of various kinds bhima jumped into the water to find the thousand petal lotus he crisscrossed the lake several times but he couldn't find the lotus the furious prince came out of the water and stomped the ground in such a rage that it caused a minor earthquake the great monkey hanuman the ardent devotee of lord rama was spending his days in the banana garden hanuman and bhima happened to be brothers since both were fathered by pavana the god of the winds when hanuman came to know that bhima was in the vicinity he decided to play a prank on him he lay down on the narrow path through the banana trees and thrashed his tail on the ground the sound of his tail reverberated through the mountains and gave bhima the goosebumps he followed the sound and arrived at the spot where hanuman lay on the ground pretending to sleep bhima was amazed to see the huge monkey he raised his hands and let out a huge roar to scare away the animal <coughs> 
the monkey didn't move at all. He opened his eyes a little and said in a sleepy voice, I'm sick and tired. Please, don't wake me up from my siesta. Bhima was taken aback to hear the monkey talk like a human. But in these parts of the world, he knew, strange things happen quite often. He stood his ground and said, I am not scared to hear you speak, and I don't care for your siesta either. Get off my way. Hanuman still didn't get up. He said, I may be a mindless animal, but you are an intelligent human being. You should know better that all animals deserve some kindness. Tell me, who are you? Where do you want to go? This path leads to the heavens, and human beings are forbidden from going there alive. I am Bhima, the Pandava prince. But you don't seem to be an ordinary monkey. Who are you? I'm a poor little monkey, nothing else. I suggest you give up your plans to travel this path. Else you will die. I'm not scared of death. So if you don't want to get hurt, get out of my way. Hanuman did not move. I'm too weak to move. If you must go, you can jump over me and continue on your journey. The Almighty lives in you as your supreme soul. It would be disrespectful of me to ignore him and jump over you. Else I could have crossed over you just as the great Lord Hanuman crossed over the oceans. Hanuman? Who is he? He was enjoying this little game with his brother. Bhima was not amused. He said, You don't know who Hanuman is? Shame on you! He is the greatest monkey that ever lived. He is Lord Rama's supreme devotee and is the most powerful and the most intelligent creature on the earth. And he is my brother. Pavana, the god of the winds, is our father. Trust me, I am as strong as my brother and I can teach you a good lesson if you don't listen to me. I don't wish to fight you. But... I am old and weak and I don't have the strength to get up. Why don't you do me a favor? Lift my tail and put it aside to make your way. Bhima felt quite insulted. He decided that he would grab the monkey by his tail and thrash him to his death. He went behind Hanuman and grabbed his tail to move it. <clears throat> But the tail weighed as heavy as the mountain and Bhima couldn't lift it even an inch off the ground. Bhima tried again and again. His muscles flexed to the extreme. His eyes bulged out of the sockets. His body drenched in sweat. But the tail stayed where it was. The great Bhima couldn't move it at all. He realized that this was no ordinary monkey. He knelt in front of Hanuman and with folded palms said, O oh, great one, please pardon me for my insolent behavior. Please tell me who are you? Hanuman smiled and said, I am your brother, Hanuman. 
Lord Rama had given me this boon, that as long as Lord Rama is remembered, I would stay alive. By the grace of Mother Janaki, I have everything I need to survive. I stopped you because this path leads to the heavens and is impassable to mortal human beings. The lotus you seek is not far from this place. I'll give you the directions. Bhima sat next to Hanuman and said, I am lucky to have seen you. Your deeds have always amazed me, inspired me. How I long to see you in the form you took when you jumped across the oceans to reach Lanka. Would you please grant your brother this little wish? Hanuman smiled and slowly stood up. With a huge roar, the great monkey began to grow in size. And soon he was as large as the Bindya mountains. Bhima was thrilled to see this spectacle. With folded palms, he said, I am forever grateful to you for showing me this form of yours. I will never forget this sight. You may now get back to your normal form. Hanuman got back to his normal size and said, How could I refuse my brother this little request? With you by his side, why did Lord Rama have to fight the demon king Ravana? You alone could have destroyed the evil king and his army. You are right. Ravana was no match for me. But if I had destroyed him, I would have deprived Lord Rama of his noble deed. Hanuman then led Bhima to the edge of the banana plantation and said, This road will lead you to the thousand petal lotus you are looking for. Hanuman embraced his brother and Bhima felt he gained the strength of a thousand elephants. Hanuman said, If you want, I can kill the sons of Dhritarashtra and destroy Hastinapur at once. Bhima touched his feet and said, Brother, Thank you for your offer. However, with your blessings, we should be able to destroy the enemy ourselves. Hanuman was pleased to hear this. I will always be on your side. In the battlefield, when you'd yell to scare your enemy, my voice will join yours. I'll reside on the flag of Arjuna's chariot and make such a huge roar that your enemy would freeze in fear and you'd be able to kill them. At will, I pray to Lord Rama to always guide you to follow the right path. Saying so, Hanuman took a giant leap and in an instant vanished from Bhima's sight. After a short walk, Bhima arrived in the gardens of Kubera, the king of the Yakshas, a river adorned with thousands of the beautiful lotus blossoms flowed through the garden. Bhima was overjoyed. He waded through the waters and prepared to collect the flowers. The garden was guarded by ferocious demons and rakshasas. They came out and asked, Who are you? How dare you try to pick these flowers? Bhima said, I am Bhima son of the great King Pandu and brother of Emperor Yudhishthira. I am here to collect these flowers for our wife, Draupadi. The Rakshasas said, 
this is Kubera's playground. Humans are not allowed here. If you are the brother of Yudhishthira, why do you steal these flowers? Anyone who comes here without our King Kubera's approval dies. Pima didn't care to pay heed to their threats and warnings. He waded through the water and began to pluck the flowers. The guards picked up their weapons and attacked Bhima. But they had no idea whom they were dealing with. Within minutes, hundreds of Rakshasas died in Bhima's hands. Bhima crushed them with powerful blows of his mace. Those who survived ran for their lives to Kubera's palace. When Kubera heard of Bhima, he said, I know him, and I know he is collecting those flowers for the love of his life, Draupadi. Let him take as many lotuses as he wants. At that time, in Badrika Ashram, a sandstorm blew in from nowhere and covered the village in a thick cloak of dust. Meteor showers lit up the sky and scared the residents. Yudhishthira was worried for his family. He came to his brothers and asked, Where is Bhima? Draupadi said, Bhima has gone to collect the lotuses for me. Yudhishthira was alarmed. He said, Bhima must be in trouble. We must immediately go and help him. He summoned Ghatatkacha and asked him to carry them to Bhima. Ghatotkacha carried them on his shoulders and flew them to Kubera's garden. When they arrived at the river bank, they found Bhima standing amidst a pile of dead bodies of Rakshasas with his mace on his shoulder. Yudhishthira rushed to Bhima and said, Why did you have to do this? You didn't have to kill so many to collect few lotus flowers for Draupadi. This would make the gods unhappy. Never do this again. The Rakshasas heard this, came to Yudhishthira and paid him their respects. Yudhishthira consoled them and expressed his sorrow for their loss. The Pandavas then spent a few more days in the enchanting garden of Kubera. Yudhishthira said, We have seen many places around the country. How can we now see Kubera's palace? As he uttered these words, a voice rang out. You cannot visit the Kubera palace from here. Go back to Badrika Ashram. From there, you can go to Kubera's palace via Vrishaparva's ashram and Ashtishena ashram. And now, here's the story of Arjuna returning with weapons and the tale of Nahusha's curse. The Stories of Mahabharata Retold by Shudipta Bhaumik Welcome, dear friends, to another episode of The Stories of Mahabharata In the last episode, we heard the story of Bhima's quest for the Divine Lotus and his encounter with his immortal brother, the great Lord Hanuman. 
One day, the Pandavas saw the sky light up above them as a huge and gorgeous airship appeared from behind the clouds. With a thunderous roar, the airship glided through the air and slowly landed in the yard in front of them. Matali, the driver of the celestial chariot, opened the door. And the Pandavas saw their brother Arjuna sitting inside, wearing golden armor, glittering jewels and fine clothes. Arjuna jumped out of the chariot and ran to his brothers. He bowed down in front of Daumya, Yudhishthira and Bhima and paid his respects. He hugged Nakula and Sahadeva in a warm embrace. Matali helped Arjuna unload the divine weapons he had acquired from Indra and the precious gifts he brought from the heavens. Arjuna took the gifts he brought for Draupadi and went inside to meet her. When Draupadi saw him, she was ecstatic with joy. She embraced Arjuna and said, Thank the gods, you are back. I was so worried for you. The heavens are not for the mortals and I always felt scared if something bad had happened to you. Arjuna smiled and said, You have no faith in me? Nobody could ever stop me from coming back to you. He gave her the gifts he brought from the heavens and said, These are the jewellery and costumes that the Apsaras and goddesses wear. Now you will wear them. Draupadi was happy like a child. The next morning, Lord Indra visited the Pandavas in his flying chariot. He called Yudhishthira and said, You may now go back to the Kamyaka forest. Be rest assured, you will once again rule the earth. Your brother Arjuna has acquired the deadliest of weapons and the skills required to use them. He also paid me his dues by completing a difficult mission for me. I can tell you, armed with my weapons, he is undefeatable in any battle he fights. After Indra's departure, Yudhishthira asked Arjuna, Brother, tell us, what mission did you conduct for Lord Indra? Arjuna said, After the completion of my training, Lord Indra said, My son, now you must pay me my fees. My Guru Dakshina. I said, Anything you ask. The Lord smiled and said, Deep in the ocean, in an impenetrable fortress, live 30 million of my most vicious enemies, the giant demons called the Nibata Kabachas. Destroy them! And that will be my Guru Dakshina, my fees. I put on my armor, picked up my Gandiva and mounted Indra's chariot. Matali, the charioteer, took me deep into the oceans to the fortress of the Nibata Kabachas. As the demons noticed my arrival, they attacked me in hordes with spears, maces, swords and many other weapons. I took up my Gandiva and began to spray them with arrows, killing thousands at a time. The demons then invoked their magic powers and began to shower me with huge rocks, 
blasted me with strong winds, tried to burn me with firestorms. Soon, I was engulfed in darkness. I pulled out my magic buster weapon and hurled it towards the demons, and the illusion cleared up. The demons then began to hurl huge boulders at Matali and me. Soon, we were covered under a huge pile of rocks which formed a cavern around us. Matali said, Arjuna, use the thunderbolt weapon Indra gave you. That will destroy them all. I picked up the thunderbolt and as Lord Indra had instructed me, I set it up, uttered the mantra and hurled it at the demons. With a loud roar, the weapon blew away the rocks and landed amongst the demons with a huge explosion. The single blast killed all the demons in an instant. Matali and I climbed out of the cave and walked into the fortress. It was indeed a spectacular city. I said, Matali, this city looks like it is better than Indra's city in the heavens. Why don't the gods live here? Matali said, Once upon a time, this city belonged to Indra. Empowered by Brahma's blessings, the Nibata Kabacha demons drove out the gods and occupied this city. When Indra asked Brahma, he said, It is destined that you would destroy these demons, but in a different form. That is why Indra taught you, his son, the use of these weapons. On our way back, we saw a beautiful airborne city lit with bright and colourful lights hovering in the sky. Matali said, This is Hiranyapura, the great city created by Brahma. Pulama and Kalaka, two demon women, worshipped Brahma for thousands of years. Pleased with their devotion, Lord Brahma granted them a boon. Their sons, Paulam and Kalkya would be indestructible to gods and demons and they would live in this wonderful city. These demons are Lord Indra's sworn enemies. You should destroy them. I asked Matali to take me close to the city. When the demons saw us approaching, they recognized Indra's chariot and attacked us with a volley of deadly weapons. I deflected their weapons and launched my counterattack. My arrows killed thousands of demons. I hurled powerful missiles at the city. The flying city dodged my attack by rising up, going down or moving sideways. Hundreds and thousands of ferocious demons came out of the city in spectacular flying chariots and began to fight me. They surrounded me and stopped any weapon I threw at them. I began to panic and prayed to Lord Shiva for his permission to use the fierce Pashupat weapon named Raudra. The deadly weapon was my last resort as it can destroy anything that came on its way. As I engaged the weapon, a strange man appeared before me. He had three faces, nine eyes and six arms. His matted hair glowed like a thousand suns with fiery serpents surrounding them. It was Lord Shiva himself. 
I asked for his blessings and launched his Pashupat weapon. As soon as the weapon left my Gandiva, something fascinating happened. Thousands of fierce animals, elephants, lions, tigers and snakes appeared from nowhere and attacked the demons. Thousands of armed soldiers from the gods, Gandharvas, Yakshas and Rakshasas appeared and pounced on the enemies. I was no longer alone. With Lord Shiva's blessings, I had a huge army fighting for me. I regained my confidence and began to kill the demons in hordes and soon the city of Hiranyapura was free of the evil demons. When we returned to the heavens, Lord Indra was overjoyed to hear about my conquest. He praised me and said, My son, you will be invincible in the battlefield. Bhishma, Drona, Kripa, Karna and all their allies taken together won't be a fraction of your strength and prowess. Then he gave me an indestructible armor, a golden garland and the celebrated conch shell named Devadatta and many other heavenly costumes and jewelry. After spending five years with my father Indra, I asked for his permission to come back to you. Listening to these glorious tales from Arjuna, Yudhishthira was overwhelmed with joy. He said, Arjuna, tomorrow please give us a demonstration of the weapons you brought with you. Next morning, when Arjuna prepared to give a demonstration of his divine weapons, the air stood still. The ocean swelled. The sun didn't rise and darkness covered the earth. Watching these ominous signs, Rishi Narada came to Arjuna and said, Do not use the divine weapons without a proper cause. Misusing these weapons can result in grave consequences. Use them only when you fight your fiercest enemies and only when you have no other option. Yudhishthira then asked Arjuna to retract his weapons and things returned to normal once again. After spending 10 years of their exile period, Bhima called upon Yudhishthira and said, We are on our 11th year of exile. As per our promise, we will have to go into hiding on our 13th year. I think it is high time to begin preparations for the battle ahead of us. Yudhishthira conquered with Bhima's proposal. The Pandavas left the Gandhamadana mountains, arrived in the Bishakayupa forest near the source of the river Yamuna and decided to make it their home for the rest of the year. One day, Bhima went out in the forest to hunt. While strolling through the thick foliage and looking for a deer to hunt, a huge mountain snake pounced on him from the tree above and coiled around Bhima in a tight embrace. The mighty prince tried hard to escape, but the snake constricted his body so tight that Bhima suffocated and was about to pass out. Surprised by the snake's tremendous strength, 
Bhima asked in a feeble voice. No ordinary snake can overpower me. Tell me, who are you? The snake answered, I am King Nahusha, your ancestor. Cursed by Rishi Agastya, I have become a snake. It's been a long time since I had anything to eat. Today I got lucky and found you my prey. I will devour you and satisfy my hunger. Saying so, the snake tightened his grip a little more to make sure Bhima is robbed of all his strength. In the meantime, in the Bishakayupa ashram, Yudhishthira felt uneasy, as if something terrible was about to happen. He came out of his hut and saw Arjuna, Nakula, Sahadeva and Draupadi. But Bhima was missing. He asked, Where is Bhima? Draupadi said, Bhima has gone out to hunt a while ago. He should have been back by now. Yudhishthira knew Bhima must be in some sort of danger. He took priest Dhaumya along and walked into the forest looking for Bhima. Yudhishthira knew wherever Bhima went, he would leave a wide track of broken trees and uprooted shrubs. Following the trail, they soon arrived at a place where Bhima lay crushed inside the serpent Nahusha's deadly coil. Yudhishthira knelt before the snake and said, O great snake, spare my brother. I will provide you with whatever food you desire. Nahusha said, This man has my prey, and he will be my meal today. Nothing else could satisfy me. Go away! Else I will catch you and eat you too. But Yudhishthira did not leave. He said, King Nahusha, I won't go without my brother. Tell me, what else can I do to make you spare my brother? Nahusha said, All right, if you can answer my questions, I will release your brother. Ask me whatever you wish, I will answer to the best of my ability, said Yudhishthira. Nahusha asked, you seem to be a smart person. I have two questions for you. Tell me, who is a true Brahmin? What is the ultimate knowledge? Yudhishthira answered, One, who is kind, truthful, generous, non-violent, good-natured and learned is a true Brahmin. The supreme Brahman who is beyond happiness or sorrow, the knowledge of whom frees us from all grief, is the ultimate knowledge. The serpent said, But sutras, the men of the lower caste, can also possess the traits you mention, and nothing is beyond happiness and sorrow. Yudhishthira said, If a sudra possess those traits I mention, then he should be a Brahmin. And if a Brahmin doesn't exhibit these virtues, then he is nothing but a Sudra. You may say whatever you like, but I believe that the knowledge of the Supreme Brahman frees us from all attachments. 
the snake said if the virtues make a person a brahmin then one cannot belong to the brahmin caste until he masters them all yudhishthira stood up and then he said o oh, great snake i believe there exists no pure race or pure caste the human race is a product of interracial unions hence it is impossible to claim someone of a pure race or pure caste nahusha the snake was pleased with yudhishthira's answers and he released bhima from his grip he then had a long discussion on philosophy and theology with yudhishthira later yudhishthira asked you are one of the most knowledgeable persons i ever met why did you have to suffer this misfortune nahusha sighed and said i was one of the most powerful kings of the heavens i traveled on airships i was revered by gods gandharvas and the rishis they paid me taxes a thousand brahmin rishis pulled my carriage one day when rishi agastya was carrying me my feet touched his head the rishi felt insulted and cursed me i turned into a snake and fell from the heavens on to the earth i cried and prayed for mercy agastya had pity on me and said one day the great king yudhishthira the son of dharma would free you of your curse today's day thank you for coming to me and relieving me of my sin saying so the nahusha shed off his snake body and departed for the heavens yudhishthira bhima and dhaumya returned to their ashram to join the rest of the pandavas The Stories of Mahabharata is written, directed and told by Shudipta Bhamik. Audio engineering, original music and sound design by Avi Ziv. Find us online at facebook.com slash Mahabharata podcast. Join the group for updates and news. Subscribe to the podcast using iTunes or any other podcast catcher. On Twitter, we are at Mahabharata Audio. The podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons non-commercial license. If you, like me, are delighted by these stories, you can subscribe by searching for Stories of Mahabharata, that's M-A-H-A-B-H-A-R-A-T-A, in your favorite podcatcher, or going to Sudhipta Bhamik's website, nynjbengali.com. If you live in or around New York City, maybe you can catch one of his plays sometime. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Mahabharata Audio, that's Mahabharata, but the A in Mahabharata just goes into audio. Give them a rating or a review in Apple Podcasts, and while you're at it, toss us one too. You may have been listening to Tales of Demigods, but you know who the real legend is? You, dear friend, for listening. And now our time together has come to an end. But keep an ear to the horizon, because there's always more radio drama revival coming your way. Let's read some credits. Let's read some credits.
the theme music you hear swelling underneath my voice, giving you an unstoppable urge to dance, is Danger Did You Do by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music all over the internet, or anywhere strangers are dangerous. Our line producer, Matthew Boudreaux, has the appetite of 10 men and the strength of 100. He once plucked a star from the sky and with his bare hands crushed it into a mix CD, which he gave to me for my birthday. And every track was a banger. Our interview producer is Eli McElvain, who speaks the language of every plant in the world. Apparently tulips tell the best dirty jokes, but he won't repeat a single one. Our researchers are Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreaux, the Battle Sisters. Heather can hit a bullseye at a million paces with her eyes closed, using her enchanted crossbow, Annie Smoke. Monique can hold her breath for 14 minutes, and once punched a shark in half, using another shark. Our executive producer, Fred, tamed the wind and made it his pet. We call him Zephy. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.